We always say seat time is king, so sit on down and listen in to Motorsports Tech Talk with your hosts, Brian and Eric. Eric, how's it going? Ah, you know, it's going all right. Usual work and stuff. Uh, you know, kind of a generic weekend. But uh, but you had a exciting one, right? Yeah, it was racing, racing at Mid-Ohio. Mm-hmm. Good track. Uh, second, yeah, second event of the year for NASA Great Lakes. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, after my, I don't know, kind of slightly disappointing NCM. And just in that, I didn't feel like I improved from the the last race, which was the, the last race of last season and was NCM as well. So I had some good finishes out there and then just not as good uh this time so and with the diff change and everything it didn't really seem to help there uh if anything i was i think it was within like a tenth of my fastest lap and so it just you know it didn't feel like i i got any faster and a bunch of people did get faster so but you know sometimes that's how it goes but uh so yeah i kind of went into this one with much lower expectations whereas ncm i had higher expectations and then it was a flip flop where I just the the car was was hooked up. Mm-hmm. There you go. It uh good flip flop. Yeah, I so in the uh, in between the races there really wasn't too much to do on the car. It was pretty good to go. I did a couple things to try to help improve the power a little bit because that was my kind of biggest complaint. And uh, so a couple of things I looked at was. Um, I replaced my PCV valve because I noticed a ton of oil in the intake area uh, mm-hmm. in the intake hose. And, you know, if when you mix oil with uh, air and fuel, you basically have like a octane reducer. I thought it was a booster. It's less likely um, to knock, right? It's it's basically it, it, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't burn like gasoline does. So it's right. kind of a it's resistant to knocking, but it 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 kind of causes the, I don't know, just my understanding is it's, it's not good for, it's either replacing fuel basically and almost being like void, uh, void space in that, in that reaction. Or it's, uh, I've also, I just, I remember a while back someone telling me how they, over time they had a lot of oil in their intercooler and it was kind of creating some weird, weird knock issues. And they, they, took their intercooler off and like dunked it in like mineral spirits and stuff for like a week and then drained it out and, and it, it solved some knock issues he was having. So based on that principle, uh, I feel like it's not good for combustion. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely doesn't aid the combustion. So, but cause there was quite a bit. Um, I think part of it was, overfilling. I, I usually just, I make sure it's up to the fill line, but sometimes I just top it off a little more, you mm-hmm. know, make sure I always have oil in the, in the pan during the corners and everything, but it doesn't seem like the Mazda, you know, the Miata doesn't really have issues with oil pressure in corners. It does. They did a pretty good job from the factory. Mm-hmm. And, um, so one I made sure was, it was, it, it wasn't overfilled anymore. And then also I, I replaced the PCV valve and that, that seemed to like a lot of times it would leak a little bit out of the valve cover gaskets and the oil cap and stuff like that. And it was, I, it was a uh, bone dry all weekend. So 
Nice. That seemed to help. Uh, I went to 93 octane over 89 just because if, if there was any knock issues, I wanted to make sure, you know, it, that was kind of fixed a little bit there. Put new spark plugs in, nothing crazy there, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but while I did do that, I did do a leak down test um, and found that um, it was it was kind of it's, it's a little hard to do it kind of by yourself in, in with the engine installed uh, to hold that you know, that wrench on the crank to, to keep it in position when you oh, have hundred sure. PSI on it. Yep. So I don't know. It, it's it, the results were somewhere between, they were basically exact for every single cylinder, but it was like between seven and 11%. So I'd say somewhere in the middle there Okay. for every cylinder. So, you know, just a little tired. Yeah. And that I, if memory serves from, you know, our engine thing, that's where we talked about it being, um, you know, maybe you don't want your race engine there. Right, if you're high mileage road cars there and sort of whatever, you're probably fine. But mm-hmm. you know, when you're trying to get everything out of it, uh, you know that's tired, right? That's you want yeah. you want to you know fix that now. Yeah, I mean, I think what it tells me is that um, because they were all exact, it tells me that I, the engine I think was rebuilt and built for spec Miata. Um, cause usually with an older engine, you're gonna have like weird numbers, one to the next, you know, mm-hmm. different carbon buildup, different wear on the cylinder walls sometimes. And then yeah, there's like a, a temperature gradient generally, like through the cooling jacket, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of the cylinders gets hotter. And, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of different factors can create kind of uneven. So this, yeah. I feel like it was definitely rebuilt. It's just, uh. Yeah, it's just it was a long time ago. I mean, uh, there's stickers on the car from race wins that it was a part of in 2008. So nice. It's uh, yeah. Who knows when they last put in an engine in it? But it could have been as late as that, and or as uh as as long ago as that, if if not, you know, way before that. So, but um. Yeah, so I, it it seemed to help a little bit all those little tweaks, but uh, but then I also focused on the suspension side. Um, I found something weird with my little angle o meter for doing camber, where mm-hmm. if you flip it upside down, it reads differently. Um, that certainly doesn't seem right. Yeah, uh, it it could be a it could be just that the where I'm where I'm doing my alignment isn't exactly level. Um, I, I try to find the most level part of the garage that I can, but you know, I, I'm not ever super exact with everything. Yeah. I guess what kind of, uh, what are you using for a camber gauge? And then what are you using to make sure all the pads are level? If anything for that? Uh, I mean, yeah. So basically I just, um, I have a, I have hub stands and then I have, uh, a little intercomp kind of angle, angle digital angle gauge okay it's like magnetic uh, the little cube and uh yeah i think it's just it's just that it's just a little unlevel so but what i found and i just what i should do is put it on some sort of floor tiles or something that to try to level out the whole car but it's also not just the car but like i think there's local unlevelness areas in the in the on the concrete too so yeah so the hub stands aren't sitting on anything besides the ground. No, yeah, they're just on the ground. So okay. not perfect or ideal or by any means, but better than nothing. <laughs> yeah. But um, 
but for the most part, I mean, I try to, although I haven't gotten to do it too often, uh, too, too many events, but I try to, uh, you know, use tire temps to, to ultimately figure out if, if the camber I'm running is kind of what I think it is <laughs> or should be. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's kind of setting it as close as I can. And then if I need to make a, some slight adjustments at the track, um, but I haven't really been able to do that that feedback loop too often yet, so I'm hoping the I just got a new tire pressure and temp gauge, so use that a little more often. Oh, yeah. uh, but um, but anyway, I I found that, and and what I found with it is that when I flip it, I basically just started taking kind of the average reading between them. Okay. Um, and it seemed to work a lot better. Uh, in that, uh, it turned like basically it it. I was able to find that the left rear had a lot less camber than I was expecting. And, and I had a lot of problem with right handers at NCM. Okay. So it seemed to, by doing the averaging, like basically if you flipped on it, it, on the one side, if you flip it over, it would, it would drop, it would basically reduce the camber. And then on the left side, it would increase it or it was reading higher than, than it should have been. So, okay. um, Ultimately, I was running more camber on the the right side than I was on the left side by quite a bit, by at least like a degree and a half, I think. That's so, very substantial. Yeah. So I kind of, yeah, basically, I moved it so now it's point, you know, point seven off the right side and point seven onto the left side. So then it, they basically evened out then, mm-hmm. uh, about you know roughly. So so that seemed to be a huge improvement. Uh, at mid Ohio. Uh, and then I also yeah. took a little camber off the front also to kind of help with the balance. Cause again, I was really oversteery and short of just disconnecting the rear rear roll bar. I'm already full soft. So I'm kind of, I I'd like to still have the help of that rear, uh, anti roll bar, at least doing something. Sure. And save the disconnecting for like the rain. <laughs> right. But, um, but yeah, no, it, it, it really helped and yeah, it got my, I got the temps pretty, pretty even front to rear and the balance was very good. You know, it, it would push in some of the low speed stuff and be a little bit loose in some of the high speed, but it was way more stable in the high speed, especially, which, which there's quite a few of it at mid Ohio, you know, turn, turn one. Yep. Uh, and then, uh, kind of going into Thunder Valley, that one's pretty good. And then coming out of Thunder Valley, all, yep. definitely, all fast, fast corners. So yeah, the cart car felt really good uh i also changed out my sway bar end links because they had a lot of play in them so that could have kind of made some kind of weird feeling handling at times somewhat um if anything it's just what i like about these ones is they have cotter pins um so you can really quickly uh do uh, adjustments basically so you don't have to like unbolt because the ones I had before were like, it was using these bushings that were, I don't know, they, they were worn out. So they, the, the bolt was almost threaded into the bushing. It was like a bronze bushing yeah. and it, and it was like, you know, threaded through the, the, you know, the bolt was going through the end link and then into the, into the sway bar, but it had some bushings on it to space it out. And those were basically threaded in and, and didn't have a hex on them or anything. So you had to like get a vice grip and it's just, yeah, it sounds like a pain. It wasn't ideal. So yeah, if you if it's about the rain and you need to make a really quick adjustment, it was basically 
it just, it wasn't happening. Yeah. So I fixed that and and then you know made it potentially a little more uh, less slop is always good. So uh, and then the last thing I did was some steering rack spacers, which are NASA legal, and they it's basically it's it's helping with bump steer in in super slammed Miatas. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that that definitely I I did feel like it it felt a bit better like over curbs. Uh, stuff like that, like it, it felt a little more kind of stable uh, in that sense too. And it, it could have. Uh, I'm not exactly sure which, you know, how how bad the bump steer problem is without it. But I imagine that could also help with uh, front tire temps as well by having less of that toe change uh, potentially. Uh, but I'm not 100 percent sure because uh, I I felt like. It, a lot of times I, it, it seems to grease over the front front tires d- during the race. And I didn't feel like I had that this time. So, okay. but that could also be me not, you know, being because the car was set up better. I didn't have to push it as hard to, to keep it, you know, keep decent lap time. So anyway, ultimately altogether, I go out for the practice day or not practice day, the, the warm up session on Saturday and, Cars feel pretty good. I set a half decent lap. Um, it's kind of important to set a good lap in the warm up because uh, that's determines your qualifying kind of grid position. Okay. Because if you if you don't, then you're just stuck or stuck behind a bunch of slower guys that you have to get get around before you can try to set your lap. Right. So if you can set a quick one that's also competitive with the other spec Miatas, then you can kind of be in a group with them, and that's that's always nice to try to get a toe off of one of your one of the other guys or. Mm-hmm. At least use them as a as a benchmark, kind of. Right. Um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, I go out and qualifying, and cars feeling good. I set a lap that was one point one seconds faster than than last year. Yeah, that's uh, a lot. In the, in the club course, so it was a big big improvement. The the conditions were pretty good. It was a cooler day, and uh, definitely good for fast laps. But. Um, wasn't I don't think it was that much different than the last time. I think it was a little warmer last time I was there, but uh, nothing crazy. Um, so yeah, I was pretty happy with that. But as I'm coming in uh, through the lap, I noticed my clutch getting kind of softer and softer. Okay. Um, which it, it was funny when it first started doing it. I was like, oh, that's probably a problem. I, I must be leaking somewhere. I'll, I'll fix it before the race. Uh, but as it was getting softer, I actually kind of liked it because it moved the engagement point all the way to the floor, basically, and okay. it made the sh- it made the shifts like a lot smoother because it was just it was just either easier to time. It was more consistent. Like, I push it, push it, you know, like as soon as I'm releasing, it's grabbing, right? Uh, and I I really liked it, so I was like, well, whatever's happening, I need to fix it, but I should try to set it better, <laughs> like closer <laughs> to this. Yeah, do that um, next time. But yeah, I come in, I see that I'm second, um, which I think was my best qualifying, uh, at least result. Yeah, I, I've started second before, but it was because someone else had an issue, and I was start, I started third and moved up to second. Okay. So, with and with so many people there and some really fast guys and everything, I was just I was surprised to say the least. Uh, but as I I pull up and I was going to try to take some tire temps. Mm-hmm. and pressures right there uh, before going to the scales um 
uh, that's when the, the clutch just went to the floor and there was just nothing nothing left. Okay. So I was like, uh, so first thing I was like, I need to get to the scales because I don't want them to invalidate my time. Right. Um, and then I have to figure out how to fix this. So I, Megan and uh, one of the other guys that was taking temps for one of the other cars, uh, they pushed me. I was like, just get me going so I can get, get in the first gear, mm-hmm. which it worked, you know, uh, and then went up to the scales. But there were some people in front of me, so I had to stall it as I rolled up. Um. And then they were like, come on, come on. They kept like waving me. I was like, uh, push, push me, push me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they pushed me up. And then, so I got through that. Um, and then went on to the task of figuring out what happened. And it turned out it was a, um, a blown, uh, blown soft line. So like there's the hard line that goes from the master cylinder, um, basically to the, to the soft line. And the soft line goes from there to a hard line that then goes to the, uh, slave cylinder mm-hmm. and is that weird like loop-de-loop kind of part yeah. of it in it yeah it's coil it's pretty odd but yeah so so that burst just the soft part burst so not too surprising but you know uh didn't expect it to happen and right. of course no one no one had a spare uh that's one thing that just people didn't really hang on to i guess yeah and so and i couldn't find one at any auto parts stores so i i there was a, there was a miata parts kind of seller there and um they had a braided clutch line full braided from the master to the slave and at first i wasn't sure if that's like if it's legal or not for spec miata what i should have done right away is just looked at the rules and it it is legal um because i I saw he had that and i was like okay i'll i'll remember that that's and then i went to the auto parts store didn't find it and then came back so if i would have just taken that right away it would have been fine, but of course, all weekend, all of our sessions were like really close together. Of course, uh, <laughs> of course, yeah. like we were we were done by like two o'clock every day, uh, which is nice for leaving, uh, leaving the track because we got home by like you know six o'clock dinner time, so that, that was nice. Yeah. But uh, it wasn't nice for race one when I had uh, you know like two hours to find the part and then replace it uh, in the pit pit area, so. Uh, finally I went with the braided line, but I couldn't get it to bleed. Like we were bleeding it for like maybe 20, 30 minutes or something. Like just Me- Megan's in the car and she's, you know, she's doing exactly what she needs to do, but it's just like, it, it'll just barely push out fluid mm-hmm. and, and you know, it just goes to the floor. I had no feeling. Yeah. You know, I can't even see, I'm, I'm watching the slave cylinder. It's not moving at all. Yeah. And so I ended up. Uh, rerouting the because I had routed the braided line basically right exa- exactly where the the stock line was, which goes kind of over over the engine along the firewall. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I ended up doing is, you know, one of the one of the other guys pointed out like, oh, you probably have a huge air bubble like during in that whole entire length of that line basically. And so and there's just you can't build up enough pressure with the clutch because it's just such a small bore. And, right. And, you know. So little stroke and everything. So, um, and I don't have like a hand vacuum bleeder or anything like that, which I I just ordered this week after after that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. So I ended up running it basically kind of over the the frame rails and over the transmission. So just like tucked it down underneath, mm-hmm. and uh, and then it finally bled with like ten minutes before. So I had to you know take all the tools out of everything that was all over the place, throw it over towards the trailer. 
Yeah. You know, fuel so it. Just a mad dash, of course. Yeah, fuel it. I had to freaking put a new battery in the GoPro because it had died in the at the at the very end because I forgot to turn it off after the qualifying session and and you're required by the rules to have video and all that stuff. So it's like mad dash. I like get my suit on and I throw my helmet on and you know my gloves and glasses and stuff are kind of loose in the car and I just drive over to grid and the Miatas are all leaving at that point. And so the, I almost didn't get out between because the 944s, the spec 944s were leaving right as I went up. And at first they like waved me on and they said stop. And then and then they stopped the 944s, let me go. So I, I basically started last in, in spec Miata, um, which was unfortunate because, you know, qualifying second was a good, my best qualifying. And then I didn't get to yeah, reap the benefits of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a real bummer. So, um, so yeah, start in the back, which can be more fun. Obviously you get, get to pass a lot more people and right. less pressure. You know, there's never, there's not really going to be any fast guys right behind you. It's just, you know, trying to catch the fast guys. Yeah. And, um, yeah, ended up, ended up eighth on the track and then seventh after I think it was third or fourth got DQ'd for weight. So, you know, starting 18th, got moving up to seventh was the fun fun little race um yeah the car felt good i was able to set the second fastest time during the race which puts me in second for the uh actually i guess it was the third but the the guy who got dq'd ended up was the second fastest so he his lap time was removed so i ended up mm-hmm. starting second for race two nice um and then from there race two uh i just kind of I challenged for the lead on lap two or three, uh, but couldn't. Basically, I went I went to the outside, uh, going into China Beach. Okay. And then I was inside for madness, um, but then couldn't just couldn't you know hold on to it. Uh, I, I wasn't able to get far enough up through madness, you know. So I was outside for the the next turn, mm-hmm. going into like the S's there. So he was able to hold hold position there. So and then from there, I just. Uh, yeah, I I lost. Then I lost. Uh, I dropped back to third because uh, I got a bad I got a bad run coming out of the uh, uh, the keyhole, and just he got a good run, and he was able to get me basically the same way I was trying to get the guy in first. Okay. Uh, and then and then later I again had another bad exit on, from the keyhole, and then uh, got got passed for fourth. Which at that point, I mean, it was still like twenty minutes left in the race, and I I, I felt like I had good long term pace, so. I was just trying to settle in and see if I could put some pressure on him, but a full course caution came out for uh, oil down, and I believe it was the keyhole, um, and uh, and some cars were uh, off track and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. race ended. That race ended in a caution, and I was in fourth, which is still a good result. Um, but you know, starting second, it's not doesn't feel the best. Yeah, it's, it sucks to move backwards. You know, yeah. Like, if you had uh, fought up to fourth, you know, like from that first race, you know, it'd be a just wonderful, right? You'd be throwing yourself yeah. a party, and then here, you just still get fourth, but you went the other direction, and it's just more upsetting. Yeah. So, but still a good result. Can't uh, 
can't be too, you know, can't be too upset about it. But, and then I was starting second again for race three. So that was good. Um, and, uh, yeah, so race three, last race of the, you know, of the weekend. And, uh, I, you know, I tried to challenge around the outside going in, uh, the, into China beach on the, at the start, but just kind of filing behind first, uh, try to see if we can, if I can, you know, stay on them, try to gap third a little bit. Um, I, then there's then a caution there, the, there's then a yellow coming, uh, into one basically, uh, on the inside of one, someone blew up, blew up or something, blew up their engine or, or had a transmission issue or something. Uh, so as I'm coming up, I'm right behind first, uh, and I don't see the yellow flag until basically the turn in point. Mm-hmm. And it just, just throws me off a little bit, just, just a little bit where, I see the yellow and I, and I see the car off and he was all the way off on the inside, like in the pit lane almost. So like it wasn't dangerous situation, but you know, as soon as you see the yellow, you want to see if there's, cause there could easily be someone spun in the middle of the track come exiting one. Yeah. I mean, until you identify, you don't know where the, you know, the incident or whatever it is, is so. Yeah, exactly. And, and also in front of me, the, uh, Adam in first, he, he kind of bobbled a little bit too. So it's like, I don't know. I, I just, just, it was just a tiny bobble, but that got, uh, Camden who was behind me in third. He, he just got a really good run out of one, got alongside me in the keyhole and then was able to just kind of, we were alongside exiting the keyhole, but he was just able to get, uh, get a better run out of it. And you know, he, he was by. So at that point I'm like, okay, uh, I had a pretty good gap to fourth at that point. We were kind of, uh, we were running out in, in clean air and, and there was a little scuffling going on behind us. So we were able to get a pretty good gap at that point. And, uh, so I was just going to settle in, go for the podium, see if, you know, they, they, they were challenging each other in front of me. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll keep with them. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, I don't know. I just started hitting some really slick, slick parts of the, the track. And, uh, it just seems strange because it, it is just kind of coming out of nowhere. And then a few corners later, uh, Adam pulls off and apparently his diff failed. Um, it might have it. So it, it oil could have been from him. It could have been uh, from someone else's. I'll get to in a second. Uh, but but it just it was really slick and we were all like kind of slipping and sliding around. And then he pulled off once he he felt that there was something definitely wrong with the car. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I'm up to second and then we're coming uh, then that was going into Thunder Valley. Uh, we, we start the next lap. I kind of get a good run coming at turn one that closed back the gap. Cause I lost a bit slipping on some slipping on that oil. Um, and yeah, I'm coming up to the keyhole and like the last second I see this like huge oil slick on, on the racing line, kind of the outside of the keyhole, uh, you know, in the break zone. Okay. And I see it basically right as I start breaking and I, you know, immediately it locks up and I see Camden in front of me. He's locking up and sliding all over the place. Yeah. Uh, but luckily I was able to kind of inch, kind of edge the car to the inside a little bit away from the oil slick. So I go sideways. Um, he, he kind of loses it and slides off the track into the kind of sand trap area, but keeps it, keeps it moving. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, I, I was able to keep it on the track like barely, <laughs> um, which was, you know, scary because there's two cars already in the sand trap that had slipped on the oil. So it's like, <laughs> you know. So you wanna... but this wasn't yellowed. 
Like all these cars are going off. There's oil, but it's not yellow. Um, there was a there was a local yellow in that corner that had like just oh, okay. came out. Okay. Um, so it was yellow zone. So you know, technically no passing. But I think when when someone leaves the track, you're allowed to pass them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, is my understanding. Um. So yeah, basically, I stayed on. He he wasn't able to. And as soon as I come out of the keyhole and I look at the, you know, the kind of start, the start flag stand that's mm-hmm. uh, on the back straight, um, you know, that they, they, they put out the double yellow. So I'm like, Ooh, well, I got the lead here. There's a ton of oil down. We'll see what happens. But yeah. I, I wasn't super confident it was going to go back green. And if it did, it would be like a one lap kind of thing. Right. So... Yeah, just like five pace laps later, they they checker flagged it and got the win. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, in those uh, last lap green laps are from the series perspective, it's not wise, right? It, it's kind of fun. Uh, it can be a crazy time, but yeah. you bunch everybody up and say, "Okay, you got one lap to make it happen." <laughs> There's a lot more stupid moves when they when they do that. Yeah, yeah, and you know we're all in a time loop. There's other races and sessions and stuff afterwards, so it's you know they can try to extend it. But yeah, I agree. Like the the last lap sprints are always where I think the most contact happens. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I would have liked to maybe do one more lap just to, uh, assuming that I was able to to stay ahead during that lap, of course. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Um, but Hey, you know, I, it wins a win. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just had to put myself in that position, to you know, take advantage of other people's mistakes and misfortunes in this case with, you know, mechanical failure and all that stuff. But, you know, it's all part of racing. Yeah. But I mean, um, absolutely it is, you know, um, and you know, I know some people who sometimes aren't as happy when it's Oh, in under yellow or something. But like you said, it's part of racing. Like if you, you talked about someone else getting a failure. Well, if, you know, your clutch line hadn't blown, you know, and you had started in second, maybe that would have been the race win, you know? Like, so it's, um, mm-hmm. it it's, it's not a negative in, in my mind, right? It's, that is racing and that's, you you made it happen. So, you yeah, know, it was... you could have gone off track when you hit the oil, right? You know, there's, but at, at the end of the day, you, uh, came back first under the checkered. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's my second, uh, second win in spec Miata. So that's always exciting. And, uh, first win at mid Ohio. So, um, yeah, I, it, Mid Ohio is definitely one I wanted to get a win at. It's, there's a lot of opportunities too in the NASA season, but um, but yeah, getting one this early is is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, now I kind of set a little goal like to try to see if I can get a win uh, at each track that we go to. So that leaves Pitt, Gingerman, and uh, Audubon now. So we'll we'll see. Those are a little later in the season. Yeah. Uh, well, you have plenty of practice at Gingerman, so. I expect oh, yeah. you to make it happen. <laughs> no yeah, pressure. Gingerman, honestly, is the only one that matters. That's the one I, I want to win. I don't really care as much about the others. It's more Gingerman. Yeah. It's, it's the greatest track in the world. That. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's like the the 
beacon of time attack for the entire United States. Mm-hmm. It's the benchmark. It's the. It's just it's the track everyone wants to hit a fast lap on. So yeah, yeah. It's uh, but anyway. Uh, so yeah, really good, really good weekend. Uh, you know, and also like it's always a good weekend when you don't hit anything or anyone or right. anything like that, and don't break anything major as far like the cars basically ready to go for the next uh next race uh, other than i'm gonna put a whole new engine in it but that's besides the point <laughs> yeah, that's not major at all <laughs> but uh, uh yeah no it was it was good and yeah i mean i guess sorry for this long-winded explanation but uh but yeah you know a little more to talk about this time i felt like and yeah i was pre- pretty proud of it and everything but um uh, but yeah, I mean, following that, uh, I thought, you know, maybe this week we have a little shorter episode and I, I kind of just talk about why, uh, why I chose to do Spec Miata and why, you know, I, why I feel like it's, it's a really good place to be in, in racing and, and talk about the differences, a little, the difference between like NASA, SCCA, and then some of the more national events and stuff like that. Um, cause you know, you know, Miata is always the answer and, uh, it's true. And Spec Miata is also always the answer. Also true. <laughs> but um, I don't know, like, I guess to start, like uh, one thing that's kind of unique about Spec Miata is it's the only class that is that is common between SCCA and NASA. They all have, you know, like uh, NASA has like Thunder Roadsters and SCCA has Spec Racer Fords. And you know, so they all have like similar looking things that, 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 kind of fill each niche but as far as spec miata it's the only one that's uh kind of that's in both so right yeah. off the rip it it gives you a lot of opportunities to to race in a lot of different events regional and, and national and and um and the rule sets are very close there's a few small little changes um like for one those steering rack spacers uh technically they're only allowed in nasa <laughs> And not SCCA, so I'd have to take those off if I'm going to race in SCCA. Okay. Um, although you know there could be a change coming up eventually. I I know there's been ta- there, there were talks at one point. You know, they like to try to combine them as much as they can. But um, but anyway, um, yeah, a couple just small little changes between the two. But for the most part, you bring you bring your your tech you take your car NASA. You should get through it in SCCA and and be rules legal and everything. So, so that's that's pretty nice. Um, I know around here that gives you access to some more tracks. Like uh, NASA doesn't run like Groton uh, or Waterford, uh, which are kind of a little more local, uh, especially Waterford to us. Yeah. Uh, so it gives you the opportunity to race there, um, and then just anywhere, any track gives you more opportunities to race at those tracks um that they both go to so um so yeah that's always important being able to have access to more events more tracks um uh, but so then that leads me to my kind of next point and i think uh kind of one of my favorite things about it is this the support that mazda gives uh to racers Mm -hmm. uh, especially spec me out of racers um they have a contingency program. So you sign up for it and based on how you finish, whether it's in kind of the big national events, 
uh, like Hoosier Super Tour and stuff like that, or even just within your region, regional championships, stuff like that. Uh, they'll give you basically cash uh, based on how you finish. Uh, of course, if you finish well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's nice. Uh, they also give you uh, parts discounts and kind of a direct way to order OEM parts, um, which is also very nice. You don't have to go through the dealerships or random online sellers and stuff. You just go right to Mazda and they send you stuff pretty timely and prices are good. It's a uh, it's free shipping if you spend nine hundred dollars. So that's that's oh, pretty. Wow. What a deal. <laughs> well, That's pretty good. Fantastic. Yeah, you know, when you put that ten dollar gasket or, you know, a couple bolts in the cart, you're like, Oh, only eight hundred and ninety to go before I get free shipping. Easy. Yeah, you <laughs> might as well do it, you know. Just just throw a transmission in there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or something. But um Easy. But yeah. So And they but, um but yeah. th- that's one of the reasons they downsize their, their pro um racing efforts, right? Well so they could have more money for um you know amateur and grassroots level racing yeah yeah they had the the two daytona prototypes and they kind of reduced it to just one and yeah part of their reasoning is to to not have to take away from and kind of bolster those those uh those kind of club racing programs that they have so yeah and amateur stuff so it's it's really good to see i mean it's cool seeing the the big cars and the big mazda team race and stuff but uh ultimately i think it's probably the right call because they can they can get a lot more people interested in the brand i think for a longer period of time through through the kind of club racing global mx5 cup all those kind of things where you know i think it's not that many less people watching and more people kind of doing you know the you know kind of building that more direct connection with the brand so um but yeah, I mean, it's it's really cool to see them do that, and it's really helpful to to have that support. So, um, you know, I, I think some other brands were catching on a little bit recently, but uh, but overall, Mazda definitely has the best program for that. Yeah. So it's uh, that's that's really nice. Um, uh, let's see, and then also, what's really nice is just. For the most part, the cars are are pretty reliable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're pretty simple. They're low power, um, uh, but they're also really nice for racing. They have you know double wishbone front and rear suspension. Uh, you know, basically Formula One car. I mean, pretty much. Yeah, I don't see a difference. No difference. Um, no push rods, but you know, direct acting dampers are are way cooler anyway. Yeah, they are. You know, none of this, none of this remote damping. You know, put, you know what? You know, bell cranks and everything. Push rods and rockers are just more parts, which exactly. is heavier. So, you know, if you want to give some F one teams a bit of advice, tell them to ditch that whole thing, lose the exactly. weight. You know, Miata <laughs> style. Makes yeah, sense. So, if, if anything, Miata's more racy. You know. Yeah. Exactly. I'd so. I'd buy it. I just sold myself. I believe that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's it's you know no McPherson strut here, although you know McPherson strut's you know pretty good, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> especially when it's in the front and rear of a Cayman. Um, yeah, buddy. But uh, or a Mitsubishi Starion. Can't yeah. forget that. Yeah. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, double wishbone's pretty nice. Good camera curves. I think we talked about that a long time back. Maybe one of our, one of our first episodes. Yeah. It was like the first or second or just third. I don't know. Somewhere around there. Pretty early. I think our first, like, I think our first tech episode was, was about camber Mm -hmm. where we touched a little bit about that. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, so it's got, it's got a good layout for, you know, doing track things. It's small, it's light, which helps reduce your consumable cost. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's reliable. You know, it's not a lot of power, so it's a lot, it's a lot harder to get into trouble, though you're still going fast as hell through the corners and everything. So it's not like if it doesn't really feel slow when you're out there. I'm sure if I would get <laughs> out of that car and get into like a GT3 car, then I'd be like, oh God, this is really slow. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, you could probably I, get into a TCR car and think it's real slow, but <laughs> I get what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you're at the limit going through every corner, it's, it's, it feels fast. <laughs> yeah. It's just that limit is a little lower than it would be for some crazy, you know, expensive race car. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then speed at a cost, like the cars are relatively cheap. They made like six billion of them. Um, they're all over the place. You can find them as far as street, the street cars to build them from. But also there's just, because there's a ton of people in the class, there's plenty of pre-built cars, which is definitely the, the recommended way to go when you're first starting into it. Cause, uh, I mean, there's usually a very significant cost savings. You know, the roll cage alone can cost a couple grand, you know, three, four grand. And, you know, sometimes you can get these cars for five to, to 10 in that range. So kind of the, you can also get them for like 45. So, yes. So, but still, I mean, in racing a $45,000 car, you know, that's like ready to go that, that won nationals that year doesn't sound absolutely horrifying, but you know, for, for me who spent less than 10 on mine, then that does sound horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> well, you also but, have to remember it's, Yes, it's racing, but it's also a Miata. <laughs> I love Miatas, but come on, bro. That is yeah. so much fucking money for a fucking Miata. No, it's it is pretty ridiculous. Fortunately, most of the even like good potentially nationally competitive cars will be in the mid twenties. Mm-hmm. Um with like only like the super high dollar big name kind of cars being in that 30 to i think 40 i don't even know if he uh that was uh i don't know if it was the jim drago i saw the the forty five thousand dollar listing so yeah i i don't know i don't think he actually sold the car at that price it was more just like well if you want to give it to me i'll take it kind of thing (laughs) and i'll just build another one um (laughs) but but yeah, for the most part, they're you know you can get a pretty decent NB for in the mid twenties. Uh, the, the NA, so first generation Miatas are going to be a bit cheaper most of the time, especially the one sixes, one eights as well. The one eights are kind of the NA one eights, which is what I have, is kind of this weird no man's land where it's it's not really it's not the one sixes have because they 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 can run less weight uh, and they rev a little higher they it just it works out at some tracks where it it seems to benefit kind of that that lower weight car mm-hmm. um whereas you know other tracks you want like the torque from the later VVT cars uh or like the the kind of goldilocks just right is the 99 and 2000s with uh, where they have good good top end power 
a little better torque with the uh, the Vix intake manifold. Yep. Um, but then you know also have all the the updates and benefits from going from NA to NB. So then you know, don't it's, have pop ups though. Doesn't have pop ups, so you know, I mean, why even bother with it? So yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so the the NA cars are a little. Uh, uh, usually it can be had for much less. Uh, there's still some, some decently, you know, higher price ones that are nicely set up, but for the most part, they seem to be not the most popular, but there's a lot of them out there. Cause you know, balances change. Sometimes one car was better, you know, rules change that kind of thing. So, um, and you know, when, I don't know when spec me I first started, but I imagine, uh, VVTs weren't allowed immediately and stuff like that. So, um, uh, but anyway, it, uh, but yeah, you can find cars. They're all over like go on, uh, uh, I know there's like a, uh, Facebook page I'm on. It's like spec me on a racers group. There's usually a lot of listings on there. Um, you know, uh, com. I think they usually have some good, they usually have some listings there and Craigslist, Facebook marketplace sometimes too. Just, you know, it just, uh. There's there's always someone selling a car, so yep. that's definitely the best kind of easiest way to get into it. Um, although if you know if you get a car that's a little uh, maybe not taken care of, you're gonna you might end up with a lot of added expense of of fixing it um, and the headache that goes along with that. Yeah, so it's it's definitely there's a it, don't buy the cheapest one out there. That's not you're probably gonna end up spending more than a decently sorted cheaper but somewhat cheaper one so yeah just you know you get what you pay for at the end of the day so yep just kind of look out for that i guess other things to look out for is uh i think it was two years ago spec me i made the switch from bilstein shocks to kind of a bespoke penske made for spec me and uh a lot of the older cars that haven't been updated will just still have the bilsteins and that's that's like a twelve hundred dollar you know expense to to upgrade it so you know factor that in and any other things that you think you know if you want to buy one of those sweet seven thousand dollar race engines uh, from one of the big shops or whatever you know if if your car was 15 grand and you're gonna spend seven on a new engine then maybe you could have just bought like a 20 grand one that already had one of those engines in it so Mm -hmm. you know all just things to factor in I, to to compete regionally i don't think you need those fancy engines you just need something that's so. not you know completely worn out and uh and really i mean all they're doing uh, is you know they're they're decking the head and the block to get maximum compression for the rules they're doing you know a nice new fresh valve job they're boring it 10 over to get really good ring seal uh, you know, all out in the rules, but it's just, you know, little things and they're finessing everything they can. And, you know, a lot of times the difference will only be like two to four horsepower from a, you know, a, a just a fresh, uh, decently sourced used engine. So, you yeah. know, it, but, you know, when you're racing all cars that are all the same, basically, that can be definitely a huge advantage, especially in the big, you know, highly well attended national events and stuff like that. So. You know, it's but but like I said, I don't think it's needed in regional uh, uh, regional stuff. So, um, 
but something to look out for if you're if you want to kind of move up eventually so um so earlier i talked a little bit about nasa and scca uh the biggest difference between those two is that scca uses hoosier sm i think 7.5 is right now they might be on sm8s by now 100 percent. and then nasa uses toyo uh toyo proxis rrs so um so Completely different tires, same size, 205, 50, 15s. Mm-hmm. So you can get the one set, you know, one set of wheels will cover you for both. Just the tires are going to be different. Uh, and then the rain tires are different too. They use a Hoosier rain and uh, SECA and then a Toyo rain in NASA. So right. um, kind of one of the big reasons I chose NASA was basically because of those tires. Um the Toyo RRs are very well known for just being able to heat cycle, you know, 20, 30 times before they, they really lose any speed. Uh, at some tracks, you can actually benefit yourself from having a, a highly heat cycled tire. Um, and part of that, I think, my my feeling on that and theory on that is kind of as you wear that tire down one, you're, you're reducing your rotational mass. So that, that's, that's a benefit as you wear it down, but also at a, a low, tr- uh, it's usually at low grip tracks where it seems to have that advantage, uh, by having that less kind of thermal mass of the tire, it can get up to temp, uh, faster. So that's kind of what I feel is what happens there. I mean, so mid Ohio is kind of one of those tracks. Um, but yeah, I mean, but what it leads to is just getting tons of tire life. You can, keep running a tire. I, I mean, I've run, I've run the same set for three events and nine races, plus all the qualifying and practice sessions, uh, and had no problem. Didn't really have a drop off in speed as far as I could tell. Like every time I bring some really roasted tires to use up in a practice day and then switch on to the fresh ones for the next day, I hardly ever notice a difference if not, if, if anything, or so it's, it's definitely nice to, uh, have a tire that you can just use all of. Yeah. Whereas the, whereas the Hoosier, um, unfortunately kind of heat cycle out after two, three, uh, heat cycle. So maybe you use it for qualifying, you use it for the race. Um, and by then you're, you're basically lost a lot of it's, you know, you, you lost a bit of its performance, which is going to be really needed in, in the next qualifying the next day or, and the next race, which again, if you're just racing regionally, you, I'm sure you can get away with, you know, a couple more heat cycles than that. Um, but you know, if the guy who's, who you're racing against decides that he wants to run a new set every, you know, every race or whatever, then basically they're going to probably have an advantage over you. So as far as just peak tire grip. So. Yeah. So the NASA just kind of helps you keep those tire costs down and maintain, uh, you know, or still be competitive. Yeah. Basically it, it's instead of, you know, I can do one set for three events versus three sets for one event, (laughs) which, you know, a little exaggerated, but you know, it's, it's definitely a big difference. Of course, the nice thing about the Hoosiers is they are grippier and you get to go faster. Um, they're like one to two seconds faster depending on the track. So, you know, there's, there's that benefit of the Hoosiers. Um, but, uh, but yeah, as far as having a race competitive tire, the you know you just need to watch out on how many heat cycles you're putting on them. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of that's the biggest difference. That's why I chose NASA. Um, 
thing I like about SCCA, which I'm going to try out eventually, is they have, um, kind of mentioned it earlier, they have the, the Hoosier Super Tour events. So these are like big, almost national, basically national level events. Um, it's kind of a separate championship. And uh, and at these events, you're going to have like 60 to 80 cars at every single one. Uh, all the top uh, racers, spec me out of racers in the country, basically. And, you know, and, but there's, you know, the bigger prize pools, bigger contingency, all that kind of stuff. But of course, big competition. So, you know, otherwise for NASA, you just have national, the national championship once a year, but you don't really have kind of any other big marquee events like that, um, other than the national championship. So SCCA gives you a little more opportunities to do kind of bigger uh, you know, events and racing against more, you know, more decorated and, and, uh, you know, competitive drivers, uh, from all over, you know, cause whenever you expand the pool of drivers larger, you're going to get, you know, more, more really good guys at the top. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's one thing I'm definitely looking at to eventually kind of spread into, um, and of course, and they also go to a lot of the big, big name pro tracks. So that's always good too. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I guess, uh, and uh, on the lines of that, that kind of cost and tires and, and those kind of things and talking about contingency earlier with Mazda, uh, another thing that I believe Hoosier has, uh, but I know Toyo has cause I'm in the program right now, but you know, based on how you finish, uh, in these races, you can get money towards your next set of tires. And, you know, if you're having good finishes, potentially you can not spend a dime on, uh, on tires for the entire year. And that's, that's a huge benefit for sure. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, some of the cost is because it's just, it's sprint racing and it's just you and you own the car and, you're driving the car. You can't split it like you split costs like you can in dur- in endurance racing, where you have you know three, four drivers, uh, maybe even you know more than that for long events, where you can split the costs a little easier and the risk and that kind of stuff. As far as having you know mechanical failure or anything like that, um, uh, in Specmiata you don't have that, but at the same time you have a bit, a little more support on like you know things like tires, brake contingency, just you know, specifically for Spec Miata, you have, you know, Mazda's contingency and that kind of stuff. So, which they have a program for some of the endurance series too, but, um, it's definitely, uh, uh, it favors the, the spec, spec Miata a bit more. So, so overall, I mean, it's kind of, it's, you can kind of choose how much you want to spend when it comes to Spec Miata. Yeah. You just do, if you're competitive regionally in NASA, you can race for relatively cheap, uh, NASA events. They always, they're looking for instructors too. And they'll basically kind of give you credits towards entry fees by, if you're an instructor or just volunteering. So, uh, you know, you can do that alongside of getting your tire contingency alongside of getting your Mazda contingency and you can run your tires, you know, for a lot more races. So, you know, that's the low end of the cost. And then the high end is, you know, SCC national championships and super tour and bringing four sets of tires to the track and with your $35,000 car and all that stuff. Um, you know, so the, the sky's the limit, although they're, they're, the ceiling is definitely lower than, than most, 
or really all pro racing, but uh, still can get pretty high for, you know, most normally, you know, kind of solo funded people. So, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, but so that's the kind of the main reasons why I chose NASA as well as Spec Miata and yeah, I've been really enjoying it. I, I still love my, I love some champ car and lemons endurance racing. And there's one thing I like about that, uh, is that kind of, you get to hang with your boys, you yeah, know, right. in the race, a little more camaraderie, um, which, which I'm starting to find more and more in spec Miata. like the, in the paddock, we're all very friendly, but yeah, you know, as I race with people more and get to know them better, you have a little more of that camaraderie as well. So that's nice. But ultimately at the end of the day, you still gotta, you still want to beat them. So, you know, it's, right. <laughs> not too you know, much I, friendliness. Yeah. It's, it, it, there's still that slight awkwardness, right? Where eventually you gotta, you know, try to do some crazy move around the outside of them and, and hopefully not hit them. <laughs> right. But, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, there's definitely still, I mean, my favorite thing about champ car is that I could just show up and do it without, you just do a quick little like learning you know, novice class thing and you're, you're there. You have a driver's license, you have money, you have a car, go, do, do it, you're done. Um, de- just way more accessible. Whereas with NASA and SCCA, you have to get a competition license, which can be as easy as uh, doing an SCCA accredited school or, or for scca you know a couple day course spend like a thousand bucks or something and do the class get your novice permit and then do some regional events which will then get you your full license so um you know that's the path in the scca whereas nasa um they have their hpde program where they want you to progress hpd one through three uh once you graduate from three you can go to four or you can go right into comp school um, and then once you do comp school, you get your, your kind of racers permit. You do, I think it was six, I think it was six races. Uh, it might be a little six or eight races. Um, and once, as long as you finish those with no contact, you then get your full license. And, and then from there, if you have a license in SCCA, you can usually, uh, you know, talk to the chief steward and, uh, or the, regional director of NASA and they, they, you can usually get a NASA competition license or the other way around. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, they're kind of flexible there, but it's, it's a little more time and money invested in order to get that competition license. But the, the flip side is that, you know, everyone you're racing with has some sort of, you know, credentials. Um, right. So, you know, <laughs> again, it, it, I wouldn't say that every single person I've ever raced with in, in NASA is, you know, better than every champ car person I've raced against just because they have competition license and champ car people don't. Of course, there's there's always crossover. There's people with competition licenses from SCCA and NASA racing in champ car, but there's some really good drivers in champ car that just, you know, just really like champ car and that's where they're going to be, so... Yeah. But, you know, it's nice to know that there there is, you know, some barrier, I, I, I guess, when you're putting your own car out there and you're responsible for fixing it if someone makes a bonehead move. So right. that can be beneficial. But, um, but yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. I think that kind of covers uh, Spec Beyond in a nutshell. Uh, uh, is there any thoughts you'd like to add? Oh, I got a whole lot of nothing for you, buddy. <laughs> well, when are you when are you gonna get your spec Miata? My spec Miata? Oh, I don't know. When am I gonna get a truck to tow it and a trailer? The the caddy pulls the bike just fine. I'm sure the caddy could pull a Miata. Come on. They could probably flat tow a Miata. <laughs> You could probably drive the Miata to the, to the to the race. Just drive it as is. <laughs> that sounds awful. Yeah, it does. Miatas make terrible street cars. <laughs> they make great street cars, uh, but when you turn them into a race car, it suddenly becomes a shitty street car. <laughs> yeah, no. I whenever I drive, because I have a I have a Stilo helmet that has like the built-in kind of earmuffs mm-hmm. that really help cut down the sound and. I mean, any helmet's going to cut down the sound a bit, but whenever I drive the car around in the paddock, like after the race or quickly checking if, you know, the steering field is straight or, you know, something, just drive around real quick in the paddock, I'm always like, man, this thing is loud as hell. Oh, when yeah. It does, when it has no sound deadening as, you know, the, the exhaust exit, just like right under the, you know, the rear axle and, and you know, it's just like a tin can with a, with a, with a fart can on it, you know. Pretty much. <laughs> The exhaust sounds and, horrible and it resonates in the in the cabin. You can hear every rock those tires are throwing. You know, mm, everything's oh yeah. like twanging and gross fart can sounds and yeah, it sucks. <laughs> no. Yeah, and that with that four three diff, if you're on the highway going seventy in that, yeah, that fuck you'd be like that, dude. Five thousand RPMs or something. That, <laughs> like, yeah, no way. <laughs> But uh, it could be done. I, I haven't really seen it. And I wouldn't really recommend it because, you know, you you want to be confident in pushing your car if you do have an incident uh, or you break something. Uh, you know, now you, you can't get home. So yep. <laughs> having having a trailer is very nice for that. But, uh, yeah, I just if, if you could do it with any race car, maybe you could do it with a Miata. But um, you would need one of those little you need like a hitch receiver and a, and a tire, you know, rack thing in order to bring your slicks and stuff. Yeah. But, or um, just really, yeah. you know, you're already rolling the dice. Keep rolling them, you know, <laughs> driving the track on slicks. Uh, yeah. I, I remember I, I've seen some champ car teams do that where they'll, if they're local, usually it's when they're local, right. They're not going to do like a 12 hour. Right. <laughs> Yeah. road trip but like if they're kind of close some some of them will just drive it there i mean they'll have a backup plan and everything but that's a, i think i've seen some lemons teams do it too yeah that's always it's always fun to see but yeah definitely not recommended but uh but yeah so i think that kind of covers it for this episode uh a little you know a little shorter this week but uh, getting out and getting it out like a day late, but you know, better late than never. <laughs> That's right. So, um, yeah, as always, thanks again for, uh, listening in for this long and, uh, we feel free to reach out, reach out to us on our, our social medias, of course, and give the podcast a follow on your favorite, uh, platform. But, uh, but yeah, until next time we, uh, look forward to, chatting with you guys soon so um 
uh, yeah, see you guys uh, at the next one. See you.